This week is week number 26 that we've been worshiping live stream. 26 means exactly half of a year. There are 52 weeks in a year, so 26 marks the half of that time. And as Pastor Kim was mentioning, uh, how great it will be to see our children after six months. They would have grown so much. And we want to see how uh, we have grown spiritually when we meet together, whenever that time may be. As the state has now opened up churches to meet again in person in our churches, and many people have asked me, Pastor, are we open? Are we opening our church? We would discuss that matter during our board meeting in September, but that doesn't mean that we will open now. It just means that we will discuss about it, and that time uh, will come when we think it is best for our church. Whether that will be sooner or later, we'll decide that. But all this time, we've been studying about the book of Revelation, and last week we talked about, two weeks ago, we talked about Revelation chapter 16, which talks about the seven last plagues, and the six and the seven plagues, basically the, the plagues end up in the um, the War of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon, that basically leads or results in the destruction of Babylon. And just like the ancient city of, of Babylon, when the destruction came, that destruction led into delivering God's people into the kingdom of Medo and Persia, which the king, it, was, it actually was Darius that came in Revelation, uh, Daniel chapter 5, but it was uh, King Cyrus's uncle, and two years after when he died, King Cyrus took over, and that's when the time for the God's people to be delivered, go back to Jerusalem to restore the city of Jerusalem. So basically, in turn, the destruction of Babylon led God's people into Cyrus, the appointed one, the anointed one, the Messiah, to come and deliver God's people so that they can go back to Jerusalem. And that same history will happen. When the Babylon falls, the Messiah, the appointed one, will come back so God's people can go back to the, the city of God. That's what will happen. And chapter 17 is what we are studying today. Babylon, the great city, is my sermon title today. And we'll talk about what will happen to the great city, Babylon, and who is the city and what is happening to the city of Babylon. Revelation chapter 17, verses 1. I'll be reading a few verses. On one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed, committed adultery, and with the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. And the angel carried me away into the, in the spirit to a desert where I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. This title was written on her forehead, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. So here, Revelation 17 shows us this, this uh, woman uh, called Babylon. And this, this great prostitute or great harlot, the, the root language, the Greek language to describe this, this prostitute is actually 
Korne. And that Greek word, we can get an idea of what this woman means. Prostitute, harlot, whore, that's what it means. But the, the root word of this word, porne, it, it means to sell. It means to sell. So she's selling something. She's basically selling something to other people so that they can actually purchase this and be intoxicated with this, with this um, adultery or fornication. And in Greece, prostitutes were usually the people, the slaves who were purchased. And they were the ones who were working in, in this field. And that's probably where uh, John got the idea of, of uh, this, this prostitute. But this all is symbolic. This doesn't mean the uh, adulteries doesn't really mean the physical or the, the literal adultery. That basically means the spiritual adultery, what the Bible is describing here. And verse 3 says that this, she's riding on this beast that has a full of the names of blasphemy. So what does this mean? What is blasphemy in the Bible? We talked about this before. Blasphemy means two things. One, saying that you are God. When you are not God, saying you are God. That is blasphemy, number one. Blasphemy, number two, is that you can forgive sin when you are not God. So this beast has names covered with name blasphemy, meaning this beast is the power that is proclaiming that he is God and he can forgive sin. That's this beast, this entity. Now, what is this beast, and who is this woman that's sitting on the beast? So, interesting. What is this woman sitting on? Verse 1 says, Come, I'll show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on what? Many waters. So is she sitting on waters? Yes? No? Verse 3. What does it say? It says, Then the angel carried me away into the spirit, into the desert, where I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. Wait, is she sitting on many waters or the scarlet beast? And in verse 9, it says, This calls for a mind with wisdom, the seven heads, are seven hills on which the woman sits. Wait, so she's sitting on seven hills or the scarlet beast or many waters. Which one is, this, is she sitting on? <laughs> it's confusing, right? But basically, she's sitting on all three things, which means all these three things are not separate things. They are one and the same. Meaning, Many waters, we know what, what many waters means. In, in verse 15, many waters means peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations, many tribes. That's what it means. But this basically means the beast, which means the entity, the power, the political power. And that means seven hills or seven kings. Seven kings and seven hills. Seven kings and seven hills basically, we'll, we'll study that later on, basically means kingdoms, meaning made out of people. So basically, it's the people or the political power, the support group. That's what basically it means. So woman in the Bible symbolizes what? A church, religious entity. But this religious entity is sitting upon this group of people or the political power that is supporting her. That's the picture that we see. 
in chapter 17. So if you read, if you go back to Revelation chapter 12, which it talks about the dragon and the woman, we know that the dragon is what? Dragon is Satan in the Bible, right? And the woman in Revelation 12 was what? Woman is God's church who gave birth to what? To this man-child, the promised one, the Messiah, right? And Revelation chapter 13 talks about the sea beast and the earth beast. Sea beast being what? Rome. And the earth beast being what? America. Now, in Revelation 17, we see woman sitting on the beast. Up until this time, Revelation 12 and 13, we saw beast and woman separately. And the beast, the sea beast, Rome, and the earth beast, or the paper Rome, and the earth beast, America, they were all separate entities. But now in 17, we now see woman sitting on the beast. And what's funny is this. Uh, if you read on, later on, when angel explains this, this, uh, this thing to John, John is confused. What is this woman? And we'll go to that. But basically, angel says, okay, do you see this woman? This woman is, and then he explains what this woman is, and then he only talks about the beast. says, I'll show you the mystery of the woman, and he explains the beast. What does that mean? This woman, which is church, which gave birth to this woman, or to, to the church, or, or, or the Messiah, and this beast, they are fused together as one. When you see the woman, you see the beast. When you see the beast, you see the woman. They are not two separate entities anymore. They are not sitting together. Basically, she's sitting on it, meaning she's controlling that. That's what's happening. That is a mystery of this Babylon. And in <laughs> verse 5 says this. This is the name written on her forehead, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of the prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. Now, this was the Roman custom when there is a prostitute that would have the name of the prostitute written on the forehead. That was the Roman culture. So every time when someone passes by, sees a prostitute, can easily recognize this woman is a prostitute because the name is written on the forehead. That was the custom, according to this commentary that I read from Dr. Stefanovich. And the same thing can be found in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 3. It says, Jeremiah says this, Yet you have a harlot's forehead, meaning you have the forehead of harlot. Jeremiah is referring to God's people and saying, you become a harlot just like that. You have the name written on your forehead, meaning harlots have their name written on it. And this, this woman has a name written on her forehead. What? The name means Babylon. Mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of, mother of prostitutes, right? That's what it says. And conversely, God's people have something else written on their forehead. What is that? In Exodus 28, verses 36 to 38 says this. Uh, let's, let's just go there and read it. Exodus 28, 
verses 36, says this. Make a plate of pure gold and engrave on this, on it, as on a seal, holy to the Lord. Fasten a blue cord to it to attach to the turban. It is to be on the for- front of the turban. It will be on Aaron's forehead, and he will bear the guilt involved in the uh, sacred gifts the Israelites consecrate. And whatever their gift may be, it will be on Aaron's forehead continually so that they will be acceptable to the Lord. So this instruction in Exodus 28 is talking about how to make the garment and the adornment for the high priest and sons of Aaron. And Aaron is to wear what on his forehead? A gold plate that says what? Holy to the Lord. He's to wear that on his forehead so that he will be acceptable in God's sight. So the high priest is to wear holy to the Lord on his forehead. That's what was supposed to happen to the priest whenever he goes into the temple and the most holy place. And the prostitute, prostitute has her name written on her name, her forehead. So just like that, that was a symbolism. That's the language of the Old Testament. And now, what do we know? Uh, people who receive the mark of the beast, that they have the mark of the beast or name of the beast written on where? On their forehead or on their right hand. Seal of God, people who are sealed, what do they have on their forehead? Name of the Lamb on their forehead. So this picture is very clear. It gives a clear contrast between the two groups either the group of the prostitute or this woman or the people who are consecrated to the Lord, Holy Spirit Lord, or people who have received the mark of the beast or people who have the seal of God. That is clear in this picture. So she has that uh, name on her forehead, which symbolizes that she is a prostitute. And verse 6 says, This woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people and the witnesses of Jesus, meaning she is responsible for the deaths of people who have been killed. There have been so many people who have been martyred throughout the history. And who is responsible for that? This woman. She's drunk with the blood of the, of the, of the people of God and the witnesses for Jesus. And verse 6 is really interesting. Verse 6 says this, And I saw that woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, Why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast, she writes, which has the seven heads and ten horns. So when John sees this woman... It says he's greatly astonished. In Greek, it says, I was wondered with great wonder. What does that mean? What does that mean? Now, sometimes, not very often, sometimes when I go to stores to, to buy something, I bump into some people that I know. Have you done that before? You go to Costco, you go to Walmart, you meet someone like, oh, a pleasant surprise. It's great to see someone, bump into someone, like, like your friend or church people at, at, at local grocery stores, right? It'll be very happy to see them or at a restaurant or something. Uh, not so much these days, but grocery stores, yes. Funny thing, um, when I first came to San Diego um, a couple, few years ago, 
my family went on, decided to go to Arizona for a short vacation, just, just for a few days. And we went there, and at the entrance of the national park, we parked, you know, the, the welcome sign there? I parked in Arizona at the welcome sign of a national park. And another car pulls into that, and I see someone coming out. Guess what? It was Nelson, Nelson Wong, and the kids. <laughs> and the family came out like, hey, what are you guys doing here? So what is the chance that you would meet someone, bump into someone outside of your state at a parking lot? But then you know what? A few years later, I bumped into them again at another place. I forget where, but um, I think Nelson will remember. Uh, I ran into them again. <laughs> so we have this trend of bumping into each other outside of the San Diego area. So that would be a really interesting or fun experience. But imagine this. If you run into someone at not so, uh, let's say, a place that is not so you are proud of, let's say like a traffic school, you go and sit there at a traffic school because you got a speeding ticket or you ran, you ran the red light, and you see maybe Godfrey sitting there. <laughs> How would you feel? <laughs> hey, I know why you're here. <laughs> That's how you feel, right? But what if you go and you sit at a place that you don't want to talk about? Maybe at a, at a casino in Vegas, or maybe a, a, a bar and a nightclub, but you are hiding from everybody, everybody else, and you see someone that you know from church. How do you feel? Ooh, you want to run away, right? You don't want to show and, and, and say hi. That's exactly what's happening here to John. When John turns around and sees this woman, he said he's greatly astonished. He's wondering. He's in shock. Why? An angel is saying, why are you so shocked? Let me explain to you what's happening, this mystery. And, and this is what he's saying. Verse 8. So, verse 7, it says, the, Then the angel said to me, Why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast she writes, which has the seven heads and seven horns, and ten horns. The beast which you saw once was, and now is not, and will come up out of the beast, and will go into destruction, inhabitants of the earth, and blah, blah, blah. So the angel says, I will explain the mystery of the woman, and all the angel talks about is the beast. The angel doesn't mention the woman. Why? As I said, the woman is now one with the beast. So when you explain the beast, it is the same as explaining the woman. That's what happened. That means this woman has become a, an, an, an apostate woman. Why? Because once before she was not an apostate woman. Who was this woman? When John saw this woman, he recognized this woman. Who was this woman? This was the same woman in Revelation 12, that pure woman that gave birth to this man-child, the promised child. She was the one who gave birth to this child, to the Messiah, the pure church of God that this pure church has become an apostate church and had become one with the beast. That's why John is so shocked. That is what's happening here. And John lost his words. That's the same woman that I saw just now, just before. 
And now she became a prostitute and she became one with the beast. What's going on? And that is evident when you read on, when you study the Bible. The dragon was at first was uh, making war. The dragon was angry with the woman, was making war against the woman. But now, after she gave birth to the, to the child, the, the dragon is now not angry or not after the woman any longer. The dragon is after the man child, the child that was born, male child. And then after the child has gone up to heaven, meaning after Jesus finished his ministry here on earth and went up to ascended to heaven, now the dragon is not angry with the woman any longer, but what? The remnant of her seed, the remnant of the child, meaning the church, the remnant church of this woman that gave birth to the remnant child. Why? The dragon doesn't have to be angry with this woman any longer. Why? This woman is now no longer the enemy. This woman has become part of the dragon. That's exactly what's going on. So what does that tell us? So basically, sad to say, the church that gave birth to Christ and to this Christian church is no longer faithful. And can I possibly say that when Jesus comes, there be many, many, many Christians that were once faithful to God will turn their back to Christianity and will side with Satan. And Satan does not have to fight with them any longer because, yes, they were once pure women, but now they are no longer pure. They have become violent. They've become prostitutes. So who will be saved? The only ones that are faithful, the ones that are remnant, will be saved. Do you want to be part of this remnant church, the pure church, the remnant of her seeds? Or do you want to be part of this, this old woman who have turned her back and now become fused with one with the beast. Which one do you want to be? And I pray that we would be the remnant church, the remnant that keeps the commandment of God and has the truth, the, the testimony of Jesus. I pray that we will be part of that remnant church. We will not side with Satan and turn our backs to, turn our backs to God and join the beast. I pray that we will not be that woman. And verse 8 says, This beast that carries the woman once was, now is not, and yet will come out of a beast and, 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 and uh, go into destruction. So who is this beast? Once was, now is not, once will come out of a beast. What is this woman? I mean, that, what, what is this beast? That sounds really familiar, right? There was that one entity that was really present for a long time, persecuted God's church for over a thousand years. And, and the, the beast died, lost its life, got killed. Now it's no longer there. Now it's not. And eventually it will come back to life again. What is that beast? What is that entity? It's Rome. It's paper Rome. And there is no other answer. That, that's that beast. And verse 9 says this, um, And seven heads, 
are seven hills on which the woman sits. So seven kings and seven heads are seven hills. Basically the same thing. We talked about it earlier. Seven hills, many waters, seven kings, and seven, seven mountains. Same thing. Why? There are other people who will try to understand what this means. And some people will say, okay, so I need to find the seven hills, seven mountains. So they travel to different cities, try to identify what, the, what Babylon is, what this woman is sitting on, what this beast is. So they're thinking, okay, so in, in this city, there are seven hills here, mountains. So this, this city is surrounded by seven hills. So therefore, this must be Babylon. No. We talked about four different things are the same. They are same in one. Basically, many waters that she's sitting on, seven hills, seven mountains, and seven kings, basically seven kingdoms. They are basically the same thing, meaning she is sitting on, supported by many people or political powers. That's what the Bible is referring to. And the seven king here is not seven individual kings, but seven kingdoms. How do we know that? Where is the proof? Here, Daniel chapter 2, verse 36 and 39. Daniel is explaining the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had. Remember the tall the statue that, that the king Nebuchadnezzar had and he couldn't explain what it is? Daniel is explaining in verse, 20, uh, verse 36 and 39. says, You, majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. You are the head of gold. So Daniel is referring King Nebuchadnezzar as what? You are the king of gold. King of gold meaning you are the king of this kingdom. And he goes on to say in verse 39, after you, another king will rise. What kingdom is that? After Babylon was what kingdom? Medo-Persia. Well, let me ask you a question. So Medo-Persia came after King Nebuchadnezzar? When Babylon was destroyed, who was the king of Babylon at that time? It was not Nebuchadnezzar. It was Belshazzar. Belshazzar. And in between Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, there were many kings in between. But Daniel says, after you, another kingdom will come. So when, he, when Daniel is referring to King Nebuchadnezzar, he's referring to him as the kingdom. Okay? Not just individual king. So that's what's happening. So, in, uh, and in Daniel 7.17, this is another verse to confirm. Daniel 7.17 says, These four great beasts are four kings. Four beasts, what? Four kingdoms are what? Daniel, uh, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And Daniel is saying, these four great beasts are four kings. Which king? Which king? There were many kings for that kingdom, Right? So when Daniel refers to a king, he's referring to not just an individual king, he's referring to a kingdom. So this beast with seven heads or seven mountains or many waters that this woman is sitting on is the political power and the support of many people that the beast has. So it's not just literal mountains, okay? So keep that in mind. And this is the funny part, interesting part. Five have fallen, one is... Okay, let's just read that part. Verse 9. This calls for a mind that... 
uh, mine with wisdom. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. They are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and others have not yet, other has not yet come. But when he does come, he must remain for a little while. The beast who once was and now is not is an eighth king who belongs to the seven and is going to his destruction. Are you confused? <laughs> this is confusing. And trust me, I, it is also confusing for me too. But if we try to understand this, we can, we can do this by God's help. Now, we need to focus on this. So when the angel is explaining this to, to John, John is living in what time? Which time period? Which beast? Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Which time period was John living in? The fourth one, Rome, ancient Rome, right? That's the time. So we need to think about that's the time period that we need to focus on. It's not Daniel. It's not Babylon. So, so when the Bible says there were five have fallen, one is. One is. So how many heads are there in this beast? There are seven heads, okay? Seven heads meaning seven kings, seven kingdoms, right? Seven kingdoms. And the current one is the one that John is currently in, the, the, the present time of John, which is what kingdom? Kingdom of Rome. That where, where Jesus was. So that's the time. So that means how many were there before? Five were there before. And the one John is in is the sixth one. And there is another one that has not yet come, which is the seventh one. So we'll just talk about that first. So the sixth one John is in is the, the current one, which is Rome. And five other kings were there before. Now, which are the five kings? five kingdoms that have persecuted God's people. The first one, first kingdom to persecute God's people was who? The book of Exodus. Which country have persecuted God's people and tried to kill all God's people? It was Egypt. So the first kingdom or the first king was Egypt that persecuted God's people. Second kingdom persecuted God's people and that wiped away 10 tribes in the northern kingdom was what kingdom? Assyria that got rid of everyone. And the third kingdom that, that persecuted God's people and wiped out or conquered the two southern tribes was which kingdom? Babylon. Babylon. So we now have Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon. From, now, from that on, it's easy. Babylon and then Medo-Persia and Greece. So five kingdoms. We got that? First one was Egypt. Second, Assyria. Third, Babylon, fourth, Medo-Persia, fifth, Greece. And the sixth one is what? Rome, that John is currently living at that time. Now, the seventh one, the beast, that will come, meaning it hasn't come yet at the time of John, but now in our time had already come, which is the seventh beast? The paper Rome, that's the seventh. Now, the part that says eighth king is the, the confusing part. So verse, uh, let's read again verse 11. The beast who once was and now is not is an eighth king. He belongs to the seven and is going to his destruction. So the eighth king is number eight, right? 
But as a matter of fact, it's part of number seven. So what does that mean? And this king once was and is now not is the eighth king. Meaning, this king is which one of the kingdom out of seven? Guess what? Which kingdom has lost its power and is going to come back? It's the seventh one. The papal Rome at this time is not, has, risen, has not come up to the surface yet. But when the history plays out, it's going to have power as the seventh king. It's going to lose its power. It's going to die. It's going to resurrect later on again. So it becomes the eighth one. But then the eighth one is the same as the seventh one. It is the new king, but it is the same as the seventh one. That's what John is saying. Does it make sense? Yes, that's exactly what is happening here. So that is the story of Revelation chapter 17. And, and it talks about in verse 12, um, about 10 kings. We do not have the clear interpretation of what these 10 kings mean. To be honest, none of the commentators, nobody really knows exactly what this means. We will continue to study on, and we will find out when that time comes. But for now, we do not know exactly what that is. We can be honest. Now, so this is the, 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 the conclusion of this, this chapter 17. So Babylon, this woman, woman is, or, or this woman is no longer the religious entity. It once was, but this woman was in fact the pure woman in Revelation chapter 12, the woman that gave birth to this male child, that brought Messiah to this world. But now this woman became an apostate church and now is fused together with the political power. And now they become one. And that's why she become Babylon. And that's why her name of prostitute or Babylon the mystery is written on her forehead. And she's riding on the political power of the beast, but she's controlling the political power, basically. That's what's, what's happening. And that's why John is so shocked and amazed. But the promise is there in verse 14. It says, they will make war against the lamb, but the lamb, the scripture reading today, but the lamb will overcome overcome them because he is Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and with him who be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. So friends, who will be saved in the end? The ones who will follow the Lamb will be saved. The one who has the name of God's seal or name of God's God, God the Father, or the name of the Lamb will be saved. Or if you have the mark of the beast, have the name of the beast on your forehead, and you have the mark of the beast, and you will side with the beast. It doesn't matter how long you've been coming to church. It doesn't matter how great your faith was. This woman, once gave birth to the Messiah, has now sided with the beast. And that, my friend, can happen to you and me personally as well. If we leave our faith, if we leave our church, that can happen to us. Do you want to have the seal of God on your forehead and be the remnant church of God? Or do you want to let the world 
play its role? And do you want to follow the current and be part of this apostate church that is joining, be fused with the same, with this beast, and be lost and be Babylon in the end? What is your choice? The choice is yours and mine. And I pray that as we conclude Revelation chapter 17, that we would claim the promise that the Lamb will win and it will overcome. And the followers of the Lamb will have the victory with Him. And I pray that you and I will follow the Lamb and we will have the name written on our forehead, the Lamb of God. May God bless us as we join with the Lamb of God and leave this church, this entity, this beast, and Babylon and do away with this so that we will be separate, will be remnant, and we will be victors of God. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, we study about Revelation chapter 17, the chapter that shows the painful story of how God's church will turn its back from God and join Satan and join the beast. Lord, we do not want to be part of that church. We do not want to be part of that apostate church. We do not want to be part of that Christian group that will join the world. But we want to stand up. We want to stand going against the current. We want to stand on the small group, a small group of the people who are faithful to God, who have, the, who have the seal of God on their forehead. We want to follow the Lamb wherever it leads. So, Lord, we pray that you please bless us to be faithful, to stand firm on our, on our feet, stand on the Word of God so that we will have the seal of God on our forehead. Lord, we pray that you please help us to be faithful so that none of us will have the mark of the beast or become this, this Babylon or the prostitute like many other people, many other Christians will be as the Bible prophesies. Lord, we pray that you please keep all of us to be faithful so that we can be followers of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise team, please come on up.